Welcome back to the Pack Leader Mentality Podcast. I am really excited to talk about punishment today. You guys have no idea how long that I've envisioned like talking about this subject and really just kind of laying out the truth about the matter and you know, just kind of getting into it. So without further ado, let's just jump right in. So before I get started, I want to clarify a couple of things um, that are really, really important. Number one, first and foremost, is that this episode is not about um, advocating for more punishment. That is not the purpose of this at all. I am simply arguing against false claims that science proves that punishment doesn't work or that it isn't needed in training because that's not true. And that's what a lot of force-free or purely positive trainers and their followers say about the use of punishment. And they claim that science proves that this is true and this is just not the case. And I'm going to show you guys that in a little bit. But the second thing I want to say and make very clear is that using punishment is a choice in training. And regardless of the fact that I use punishment in training in certain situations to communicate with dogs, I always let my clients know that they are not obligated to use punishment. And if they're not comfortable, that they don't have to use punishment. And I want to tell you the same thing, regardless if it works, right? If you don't want to use it, you don't have to. And the same can be said with food. I have clients that don't want to use food in training and you know, I can't force anybody to use it, even if it is going to benefit them or their dog for learning. Just to clarify those things. I also want to be clear and say that I love science and I love the scientific method. And this uh, is not like a shot at science because science actually gives us a lot of information about dogs, things that are very useful in dog training, like the use of positive reinforcement and the benefits of it. But I just think that there are, I would say, misinterpretations or intentional uh, false claims made with regard to studies and things like that. You know, fake data is not science. Um, manipulating results is not science. Cherry picking data is not science. And shaming people and making them feel guilty for using aversive training methods is not science. There are no studies that can clearly and definitively prove, show, or demonstrate that punishment does not work because punishment does work when it's used correctly. And I want to define punishment for you guys so that you understand what it is in the context of training because it, it has sort of a negative um, view or negative uh, outlook. You know, the social definition of punishment is very, very negative. So I want to clarify for you guys. And I'm going to read from the book titled How Dogs Learn. And this is written by Mary Birch and John S. Bailey, both hold PhDs. So we're going to jump right in. This is chapter five, page 57. Um, punishment is another one of those basic principles of operant conditioning and one we must be familiar with if we are to fully understand how behavior works. But it's important to understand that we are talking about punishment in the scientific sense. The concept has a very precise meaning. Punishment involves the delivery of punishers. A punisher is defined as a consequence that if presented immediately following a behavior makes the behavior less likely to occur in the future. And I tell my clients this all the time. When you use punishment, you have to practice good timing. If your timing is off, the reason for the punisher can be misunderstood by the dog. So according to this definition, if we touch a hot stove and get burned, we can say that our behavior was punished and we would be less likely to touch a hot stove in the future. Punishers in dog training include a wide variety of stimuli that 
when administered with enough intensity, decrease the likelihood of a behavior. Some examples of punishers include jerks on a training collar or loudly saying no. So in other words, if you have yelled at your dog, you're using a punisher. If you have pulled your dog's leash or collar or harness on a walk out of frustration to get them to stop pulling you, you have used a punisher. Now, the thing that's important to understand about using a punisher is, is your punisher effective? And also, is it appropriate in that moment in time? So when we get into the realm of dog training and using punishment, there are a lot of things that go into it. In other words, if I'm teaching a dog to walk with me and I use a punisher for me in the way that I train, I am also using reinforcers. I am trying to tell the dog and show the dog that it's beneficial for them to walk at my side. And also that if they leave my side, that there is a consequence for that. So it should never be one-sided. And I talk a lot about this with my clients. And I want you all to understand that. It should not be one-sided. When you use a punisher, you should also be supplementing with positive reinforcement, right? As I said in my first episode, my style of training is 80 to 95% positive reinforcement and the rest of it is punishment if and when needed and at an appropriate level. So yeah, just to clarify, punishment is applied with the intention of decreasing the probability of the behavior continuing in the future. So she goes on to say, some misconceptions about punishment. Unfortunately, there is a great deal of confusion about the term punishment. In our culture, many people associate the word with retribution or physical abuse, and I agree. Milo Pearsall, an early well-known trainer, said the dog is never punished, he is only corrected. And he was thinking about the word punishment in its cultural context. But as an operant conditioning term, punishment is related to procedures for decreasing behavior. In this operant context, it is delivered with no emotion in order to decrease a specific behavior. And again, I preach this all the time to my clients. I understand that you can be frustrated. I understand that things get, you know, tiring. You know, you're tired of telling your dog this or that and you get frustrated. But it's very important to apply punishers or corrections in training without the negativity of the emotion. Because when you're angry and you're frustrated, it can damage your relationship and it can create defensiveness in a dog. So which leads to other problems. So punishment has to be applied in a very specific manner. In addition to that, as I tell my clients, when you punish your dog, you have to make sure that the punishment fits the crime. And there are a lot of different ways that we can you know, put this in perspective. So for example, if I'm just teaching my dog sit or a new behavior like down or place or something like that, and they step off the bed, I'm not going to harshly punish or correct them, right? Because they're just learning this behavior. It's not fair to them to hold them accountable when they don't quite understand what's expected. So the correction of the punishment in that context is going to be very gentle, very guiding. Now, two months later, after I've been working with my dog on place and they get off the bed and they blow, like, they're just like, yeah, screw this. I'm getting up. I could care less. Then my punishment is going to be a little bit more intense, still appropriate in the context, but it's still, it's going to be intensified a little bit. So I can say to my dog, Hey, look, I'm not joking around. Um, Similarly, if there is a client with a dog who is just completely out of control the punishment for continually breaking a known command is going to be a little bit stronger or more intense to deliver the message of you need to stop doing that. And that's assuming that we've already been rewarding the dog well enough, right? So 
Then the other way that we can look at it is if I have a dog that is hell bent on attacking another dog or person, then I may use a strong punisher up front to get rid of that behavior or the desire, right? To put a wall in their mind, so to speak, and say, that's really not a good idea. There's a strong consequence for your actions. So the timing is good and the intensity is good. If the dog is going at another dog with a level eight intensity, then I'm going to hit him with a, like a level 10 intensity because I want that to stop immediately. It doesn't make any sense if I punish the dog with a weak punishment because I'd only be teaching them to ignore punishers or just building a tolerance and we don't want any of that. So now that we've defined punishment, talked a little bit about what it means and how it should be applied in training, I want to talk about a study that I found. Now I'm going to be linking everything in the description. I'm not quite sure if those of you listening on Apple or Spotify are going to be able to see it in those descriptions. So if you can go to my YouTube channel, Leader of the Pack LV, and it'll be in the description in this podcast episode two, Punishment. Okay, so that I don't run the risk of boring you guys, uh, I'm going to cover this information rather quickly, kind of give you the, uh, the gist of it all. There was a study done and it was, well, this, it was published online in 2020 uh, on December 16th. And it says, does training method matter? Evidence for negative impact of aversive-based methods on companion dog welfare. Now, the first thing I want to point out is that it says negative impact of aversive-based methods. And right there, that tells me that what they're really comparing is training that is just heavily focused on punishment versus training that is more focused on positive reinforcement, which I can tell you right off the bat without even reading that, that I would already agree that a training uh, method that is more focused on positive reinforcement is going to be A, more effective, and B, better for the dog's welfare and just better for most people. I mean, who wants to be punishing their dog all day or leading with that, you know? Um, But that doesn't exclude the use of punishment in training as a whole. And that's my point, right? People who I guess are caught up in their emotions, as I like to say, or emotionally unstable um, and just want to live in this sort of pretend world where we never have to face any stress or, you know, be stern, want to convince everyone that there is never a need to use punishment in training. And that is simply not true. And what this study shows is that The dogs that were given corrections had cortisol levels raised in their systems, both during the training process and shortly after. And honestly, I'm not even surprised by that. And that doesn't really concern me at all, because if I'm teaching a dog to avoid certain behaviors and not do certain things, it is of little consequence to me that they might have elevated stress levels in their blood. I I really just don't care. And I don't care not because I'm mean, evil, or cold-hearted, but because it's inconsequential. Um, It's really not that big of a deal. We as humans have raised cortisol levels for all types of different reasons. Uh, We get stressed out here and there throughout the day. We get a phone call. We think it's bad news. We get stressed, but you know, it goes away. And if you tested our blood later on, I'm sure there'd be some cortisol levels there too. So To say that we should never use punishment because there may be some raised cortisol or some stress levels, to me, is nonsense. 
Um, but I'll give you guys the parameters of the study and kind of give you some insight. And again, all this stuff will be linked so you can read through them yourselves. Feel free to go down the rabbit hole because I spent hours reading this stuff. Um, let me see. Let me find the abstract here. They were, you know, testing diversity and dog training methods. They varied from aversive based to reward based. And they had a mixed group. So they had three groups. One group where they use positive reinforcement only. Another one where they just use punishment. And another one where they use less punishment. Uh, and that's kind of how they worded it. They just said less aversive. So that doesn't really tell me like what methods they were using, which is another thing that I find for me personally, doesn't really give me a lot of information because I say, okay, but what do, what did you do? Did you smack the dog? Like that's not appropriate at all. Were you kicking them? Because that's not appropriate. Were you yelling at them the whole time? Because that's not appropriate. So the summary of the study uh, it says the study aimed to investigate how different training methods affect the well-being of companion dogs, both during the training sessions and in other situations. The researchers objectively classified training methods going beyond just shock collars and used reliable measures to assess dog welfare during and outside training. They divided participating schools into three groups based on their training methods, aversive using mostly aversive methods, mixed using some aversive methods, and reward using no aversive stimuli or methods. One of the things that I found interesting was the study limitations. The study focused on welfare, not the effectiveness of training methods. And again, very important to understand. I'm not concerned about a dog that was a little bit stressed when they got a correction. That's okay. Stress is not bad. If the dog is learning from the correction and I'm doing everything else outside the context of the punishment to, to set them up for success and reward them for their wanted behaviors, then that little correction that they got is of little consequence to me. I'm more concerned about the effectiveness so that the dog doesn't repeat the unwanted behaviors. And so the conclusion says, the study concludes that dogs trained with aversive methods, especially in higher proportions, experience poor welfare. Duh. <laughs> the findings emphasize the potential risks associated with aversive-based training. And again, I agree, aversive-based training, right? But that does not mean that we should not use punishment or corrections ever at all in training. There is no scientific evidence to support that. So I'm going to move on. I want to talk about another study that I found. It's a study on e-collar use for hunting dogs. They tested Norwegian elk hounds, uh, English setters, and hare hunting dogs over two years. They used e-collars to train dogs not to attack sheep, and it worked. They had been previously going after the sheep. By the second year, the dogs showed weaker responses, and none attacked a lone sheep in the path test. Also in the second year, dogs were less eager to chase, especially those that got corrections in the first year from the e-collar. None attacked the sheep as their first response, and overall, fewer dogs went after the sheep during the whole test. The number of shocks went down in the second year, and the owners reported no negative effects on the dog's behavior. In fact, 18 out of 24 dogs that initially changed their behavior completely lost interest in the sheep. There were no reported side effects or negative behavioral changes in the dogs. The study suggests it's an efficient method without causing any observable problems 
for the dogs. Now, I guarantee you that when they gave those dogs those e-collar corrections, that they probably would have tested for higher cortisol levels. But again, who cares? The dogs were going after the sheep. The dogs got a correction and it worked. They were corrected lower. Excuse me. The corrections were reduced in frequency by the second year and there were no observable behavioral issues with the dogs. So again, there, there is no study that shows that punishment doesn't work when it's used correctly. Now, I would like to read a, a couple passages from another book. This book is called How Dogs Think, and it's written by uh, Stanley Korn. Stanley Korn also holds a PhD. Stanley Korn also does not recommend the use of punishment. Let me just jump right into it. Okay, so this is uh, page... 218 from the book How Dogs Think. And let's jump in. He says, the truth, the truth about punishment. I am not a fan of punishment as a means of controlling a dog's behavior, not because it doesn't work, because it does if done right. I mean, I could just end this, I could just end this podcast right here. Like this episode is done. Boom. I'm gonna close the book. Thank you guys for coming. Have a great day. Like he literally just says, I'm going to repeat this. I am not a fan of punishment as a means of controlling a dog's behavior, not because it doesn't work, because it does if done right. Right? But I'll continue. But rather because it is so difficult to make it work correctly. Well, Mr. Corin, I would like to say to you that that is not true. Maybe it's difficult for you to make punishment work correctly. But it's not difficult for me to make punishment work correctly because I understand how dogs think and I understand dog behavior very, very well. And I don't say that to sound boastful, but the reality is is that my entire business and what I do is geared towards helping people have better relationships with their dogs. And that includes the use of punishment if and when needed in an appropriate fashion with good timing, right? Good observation and good timing. So he goes on to tell a uh, to tell about a uh, study that was done, and I want to I want to read that to you because I found it very very interesting. Um, okay, so again, I just find the wording very interesting, and this is what you're going to see all across the board uh, in the force free community with this particular topic, like this backtracking of of language. So. He starts this next section and says, why punishment fails. For punishment to work, it must not only be of the correct severity, but it also must instantaneously follow the unwanted behavior. So do you see how he worded that though? Why punishment fails instead of saying in order to make punishment work. So it's painted as a negative, why punishment fails, but punishment doesn't fail when you follow those parameters, when it's of the correct severity, which I mentioned earlier is very important. The punishment has to fit the crime and it must instantaneously follow the unwanted behavior. So you have to have good timing. So punishment can work. And he says it right here in this book, but yet he'll go on to talk about how you shouldn't use punishment. And this is the I don't even know the words to describe like how it just it bothers me so much because it's absolutely ridiculous. Like instead of teaching people um, how to really have a solid relationship with their dog, 
these types of people and trainers would rather shame you and make you feel like crap forever considering using something like an e-collar or a prong collar or whatever aversive training method like fill in the blank right but rather than explain to you how you should be correctly using it they would rather shame you because they think you're stupid and they think that you can never figure it out i hold everybody to a much higher uh standard if you will and i believe in you guys a lot more and this is exactly why i like to teach my clients and 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 really i've been talking more and on social media and creating this podcast to discuss this topic because it's so important that if you're going to use punishment which a lot of you already do and you just don't even realize it but if you're going to use punishment then you should be using it correctly non-emotional on time and with the right severity the punishment has to fit the crime but let me finish reading this study for you guys so he goes on to say, uh, Pamela Reed, a dog trainer and author from Toronto, describes an experiment that demonstrates what happens when the punishment is delayed even a little bit. A dog was allowed to enter a room in which there were two bowls of dog food on the floor and an experimenter sitting midway between them. One bowl contained a generic dry kibble and the other a meaty, very desirable canned dog food. There were three groups of dogs, each of which was allowed to eat the dry dog food but was punished for eating the canned dog food by being given a resounding smack with a rolled up newspaper. The only difference between the groups was that in the first one, the dogs were punished the moment they put their faces into the bowl of the better food, while the second group was hit five seconds after they started and the third group had their punishment delayed by 15 seconds. All of the dogs quickly learned to avoid the canned dog food. For the testing phase of the research, the experimenter left the room and observed the dogs through a one-way mirror. On each day of the test period, the dogs were again permitted to enter the room, which contained both the desirable and less desirable bowls of dog food, but no visible experimenter, and each was allowed to do whatever it wanted for 10 minutes. The dogs that had been immediately punished when they started to eat waited on average about two weeks before succumbing to the temptation and eating the more savory food. The dogs whose punishment had been delayed for only five seconds after they began to eat the forbidden food succumbed in roughly half the time, about eight days. However, the dogs whose punishment had been delayed by just 15 seconds waited on average only three minutes before going to the better bowl of dog food. Now, what does this tell us? Again, it tells us that the timing of the correction or the punishment has to be immediately following the behavior. And if you have a dog that goes through the trash and you catch them the second they put their nose to that trash and you give them a meaningful consequence, you will, let's just say, according to this, they wouldn't even try to go for it in two weeks. And that's assuming that you left the trash out uh, for two weeks in a row, right? So what does that tell us if we happen to catch a dog going by the trash again? Let's say at the end of that two-week period, we give them another correction on time, they probably won't ever touch that thing again, right? Because they're going to go, you know what? I tried it. That trash smelled really good, but bam, it's not even worth it because I know exactly what's happening. I know exactly why I'm being corrected. The timing is very, very important. And again, show me a study, please, somebody like send this to your dog trainer, your favorite positive reinforcement dog trainer. Um, and, and please tell them, that I would love to have a conversation with them. I bring them onto the show. I would love to talk to them. I'm genuinely curious as to what study they have read or come across that proves that 
punishment does not work or is ineffective because again, Stanley Korn himself, who does not believe in the use of punishment says that punishment actually works when it's done correctly. So if we're doing it correctly, then what's the problem, right? And who is, who, who are these people to tell me, for example, that I'm not doing it correctly when I'm seeing the results with my clients and my clients are happy and my, and I'm breaking things down so detailed for my clients and giving them very, very clear uh, opportunities to back out of any type of punishment that they're not comfortable with, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm speaking from my perspective. I'm not defending any other trainers. I don't know what other people do. I can't speak for them and I won't speak for them. Um, I'm only speaking about myself. A couple other points that I like to make um, is that people that compare dogs to children, oftentimes, you know, you'll hear people say things like, well, you know, would you ever do that to a child? Would you ever, you know, you don't have to hit a child. So why would you hit a dog? Well, first of all, number one, I don't have children. So I'm not really going to speak on using any type of physical corrections on children because it's really not my place. When I have kids, I'll have that discussion. No problem. However, I do have dogs and I do also know that dogs and children are, are two different species. And I also know that I can communicate with language to children. I cannot communicate with language to dogs in the same regard. For example, I can tell a two-year-old child, if you touch that again, I'm going to take it away from you. If you touch that again, I'm going to take your game away. I can tell a young child, if you don't clean your room, you will not play with your toys. If you don't do your homework, you won't hang out with your friends. So I can communicate with a child that a future consequence will come to them if they do not comply with what I'm asking, right? I cannot do that with a dog. A dog has to learn in the moment. There's another argument that says that the removal of, of like food is a punisher, which is true to a degree, but only if the dog is actually motivated and wanting the food. If I'm holding food in my hand and my dog would rather run and go play with another dog, but I want them to stay in a downstay, let's assume that I've taught them the downstay, right? Just to clarify, but I have food in my hand and my dog is like, I don't give a crap about that food. I want to go play. Then the food is no longer motivation enough to be held or withheld as a punishment for the dog. So that's not an option either in that particular situation. If I'm playing with a dog, and I've done this many times, I have a dog that is wanting the toy. I ask the dog for a sit. I maybe put the toy on the ground and the dog gets up. I take the toy away and I go, ah, sit. That, in that moment, I've used a punisher. I've taken the toy away as a means to punish the dog for their unwanted behavior, which was getting up for a, from a sit. And the only way they can get the toy back is if they get into a sit and we try again. Again, I have to have a motivated dog that it wants the object or the thing that I have. So that's another argument that'll be thrown out there that is, it just falls apart when you're working with different dogs. It doesn't apply to every dog. The other thing that I'd like to address before ending this show is the three types of trainers that follow a force-free or no punishment, you know, positive only style of training. I kind of like to break them into about three categories. Uh, the first type is the trainer that knows that punishment can be effective when appropriately applied, but they intentionally choose to demonize it 
and who would rather intentionally drag out the training process in order to make more money. And I've heard about these types of trainers. Uh, I had a guy reach out to me and he shadowed me for a little bit a few years back and he shadowed another trainer out here in Vegas and he was telling me how the guy told him straight up like, yeah, I, I, I don't put prong collars on dogs because I can literally get five, six more sessions out of a client. And I just thought that that was disgusting. But these are the kind of people that are going to be, you know, posting videos telling you never to use any type of training tool that is aversive because they know that A, it's effective and B, that they can actually milk you for more money. They can book 10, 15 sessions with you. And I honestly, I have zero respect for these people. Absolutely zero respect. I think they're disgusting. And if you do that, I hope you know that I think you're absolutely disgusting. Uh, Then we've got other trainers that genuinely don't know and they're only repeating what they've been told so they sort of been brainwashed right to believing that no dog needs to be punished and they're just regurgitating information and they're just really surrounding themselves in this echo chamber and honestly i don't really have a lot of respect for you guys either you're ignorant and i feel like you should educate yourselves and then lastly we've got those trainers purely positive or force free that know that punishment can be effective but choose not to use it because they're not comfortable with it And they refer their clients to trainers like me who they feel like can handle more aggressive cases or dogs that are just a little bit out of their league. And I respect and appreciate these trainers and their honesty. And I've had trainers reach out to me and say to me, hey, you know, I'm a force-free trainer. Uh, I heard about you. I saw you. I know about you. I like your style. And I have sent a client to you. And I'm super grateful for them and I appreciate the trust. And anyone uh, that is in that realm and who knows me, I just want to say thank you. So I just want to reiterate what I said in the beginning of this episode that this is not me advocating for more punishment. What I really want is for everyone to understand how to use punishment if you need to use it. At the end of the day, we should all be making an attempt to engage with our dogs more, provide outlets for our dogs as individuals. Uh, physical and mental stimulation, getting them out more, exercising them, playing with them, training them, working them. And that's, that's really the basis of the relationship, right? That's the foundation of that all. And then you can trickle in some punishment and things like that if and when needed. And then the other thing is that punishment is a choice. So even if it can be effective, you always have a choice to use it or not. It's up to you. I'll never judge anybody for not wanting to. I've worked with clients that I've offered them better solutions and uh, opportunities to really end behaviors and get rid of them. And I can tell that they're just, you know, they've either said to me or I can say, I can tell that they're, you know, really reluctant and really hesitant and I'll never force anything on anyone. So I don't want anyone listening to this thinking that I'm forcing you to go out there and buy an e-collar because that's not it. However, I want to be very clear that punishment can be and is effective when used correctly and in conjunction with positive reinforcement. I really hope that this episode has helped clarify the, uh, you know, the elephant in the, in the dog training room and really provided some clarity for you guys, because it's important to me you know, as you get to know me and listen to me and you hear me talk more about certain topics, I want you to understand who you're who you're listening to um, and, and what my approach is when it comes to dog training. So thank you guys so much for listening and for tuning in. Uh, don't forget, we have Q&A day coming up. We're going to be doing that next episode. So if you have questions, please shoot your questions to 
info at leadyourpacklv.com uh, or you can hit up my Instagram stories at leaderofthepacklv and we're going to be discussing your questions on the show. So whatever you got, hit me with them. And other than that, keep calm and train your dogs. I'll see you guys for the next one. Peace. Bye.